Well, it is Father's Day again. Happy Father's Day. And fathers that are represented here online as well. God bless you that you have your family in church today. That you men, you may not be fathers, but that you're here. You're a role model uh, to others that, that to look to as a godly man. That is important. Praise God. God is, God is our Father. And, but, uh, you know, we have earthly fathers that are there to guide us and that we look to. And hopefully we're looking to them for godly guidance. You know, father is someone that fathers, mothers, and parents, but we're talking about fathers today. He's, he's going before, and he's been through some stuff. And he's there to be an example and a guide, and a lead. Of course, God is our source. He's the one that we truly look to, but, you know, He works through people. Aren't you, aren't you glad that He works through people? You know, you, you can have somebody tangible that you can talk to, that you can call, that you can fellowship with, that you can see an example on the earth. You know, nothing, nothing uh, supersedes the Word of God. Thank God for the truth and the Word of God, and that's got to be your foundation and your source. But we can have people that we look to that point us back to the Word, that point us to His truth, that give us an image and an example of a glimpse of what God is like. And that's what a father is. Father's number one job, if he, you know, he's a father, so by definition he has children. His number one job is to point those children to God, to be an example, to point them to God so that they can run their race and be close to Him. Because as parents, we're just stewards of children. We don't own them. We don't have them in our, in our uh, influence to the same degree forever. It's only for a period of time, of course, it, the, the influence uh, varies over time, right? You know, but you don't have them in your household uh, in, in the same way when they're growing up forever. But we're stewards that we're imparting truth to them and then living before them and should be, you know, like a mirror, like not a mirror, but a reflection. You're, they're looking at you, but you're reflecting God and what he would do. Now, I know. Every father in here, you hear online, you're going, that is a tall order. Yeah. And you can't do it, and I can't do it apart from God. And it's not just you anyway. It's you looking to him. It's you looking to the Lord at to do it. And in your inability, thank God that we know that the Spirit of God, if you're a Christian, the Spirit of God's in you, and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's true. Notice it's in Christ. It's not you. Okay? Don't go off and be like, I'm a Christian now. I can just... No, no. You, you have to maintain the attitude and the, the position that the only way I can do this, and if there's any good that I can do, it's by the strength of God Almighty, by the power of the blood of Christ, that I'm looking to Him and He's enabling me by His grace to do this because you can't do it in and of yourself. And you're not going to do it perfectly. That's not a bad confession. That's just fact. When I say bad confession, you know, people will go overboard about what we say means. But 
you, you don't want to be the confession police, like everything you say, you know, don't say that, don't say that. There's a truth, but it's what you believe and say that's going to come to pass, okay? And so I'm saying it's not a bad confession to say you're not going to live it perfectly because you're not. Now, don't, don't expect to live it badly. Okay, don't go to the opposite and just go, as Jim said, not going to live perfectly, so we might as well do whatever. No, you don't do that. You say, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, relying on the Lord to do it. But if I trip up, I'm going to get right back up and go, not expecting that I was ever going to be perfect in the first place. Let's, before we go on, let's read Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Verse 4, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So he's speaking directly to fathers here. He says, You fathers do not provide your, or provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Before we go forward, God, uh, guys, let me just speak to you as we're getting into this. God is on your side. Okay? You know, this is not, we're going to read the Word of God and we're pointing ourselves to God in the Word, but this, don't ever take the Word of God as condemnation or to beat you up. That's not going to help you. That's going to drive you further in the opposite direction. Okay? And the Word of God and the voice of the Holy Spirit is always going to be an encouragement, even if it corrects you. It doesn't slap you down to where you can't do anything. The Word of God is going to correct you, show you where you should go, and give you hope for the future. That you just tweak this. But it's not, you did this wrong, you're doing this wrong, get your act together. That's, that's, not, that's not God's heart. God sent His Son to die for us so that we could live in Him and that we could be His very own children. Uh, he is and we're as children, as fathers. And so he is looking to bring you up. And he's already perfection. If he wanted to slap you around, he could have just done it from the beginning because none of us is perfect. So that's never the voice of the Lord condemning. Will he correct you? Absolutely. But it will give you hope. It will give you direction. It will say, yeah, do this and you can do it. You could say, I can't do it. In me, you can do it. Now, here's how you do it in your life. And you listen and look at his word. He'll help you in a very practical and real way. We're not just talking about something you look at Sunday morning and go out and there's just no hopeless. It's hopeless to actually do it. We're saying the word of God and then the spirit of God will show you how to implement his truth in your life, where you are to get to the next step. You don't need to take a leap. You know, as far as go from here all the way to what you consider is just walking everything out perfect in a week or uh, three days or whatever. He's going to show you how to get something, uh, improve something, get something closer to walking it out as he wants you to the next step in something you can do and something when you change it, it will stick because it's not just you doing it, trying some, you know, three-step program or somebody's guide to this, but it's something that God's saying through his word, you do this, 
and then it actually starts dealing with the root of what you need to do, what the root of the issue is, and it will stay because it's him showing you, and he is surgically creating a plan for you to get stronger and stable in your life and ultimately get where you need. But if it, you know, it's a, it's a constant process. But if we're just like trying to leap constantly, look at what this person says and this person says, and let's try this and we try that, we, we can just be, you know, if this is where you're trying to get and you're over here and you can only jump this far, you're just going to waste your time. But if you can just take steps by the leading of the Holy Spirit, you'll get there. And there isn't a destination anyway. It's going to be from where you are. See, we all grew up differently. We all have different backgrounds. We all had different starting places. That's not to make light of anything that we're dealing with. It's just reality. You're dealing with certain things that I may be dealing with and vice versa. And But the thing is, God sees perfectly across it all. He knows precisely where you are. He knows what you're dealing with, and he knows how to move you to the next step. That's why it's so important. Don't look at everybody else. Don't compare yourself. Look at God the Father and just walk things out. Now, we can take, like we said earlier, examples from other people. You can be encouraged. But that's different than being com that you're comparing yourself with intent of seeing how you're doing compared to somebody else. That's different than being inspired by somebody. You're being inspired, what? Back to the Word of God. Because you're not following a man. You're following God. And God the, and the Holy, the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you for what you need to do. Of course, this applies to everybody, right? We're talking to fathers. This applies to all of our lives. He'll show you the next step. He'll show you how to do it, and it won't be discouraging. It will be encouraging. So when we read this, verse 4, it says, You fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Verse 4 in the Amplified Classic. Fathers, do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and counsel and admonition of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Go back and look at this again in the Amplified. Can you put that, the, the start of the verse up? Fathers, do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and the counsel of the Lord. Keep this part up. Go back to the previous one. If God is telling fathers to do this, earthly fathers, He is your heavenly Father. He's not going to be doing something He told you not to do. So this is the way God treats you. See, people look at religion and they think God is treating them exactly with what the Bible tells earthly fathers not to treat their children, but they'll look at God and think God's treating them that way. It's not God. I said it's not God. It's religion. And it, it's Satan will take a foothold wherever he can. So if he can't get you to, to stay away from serving God, he's, he's, his next tactic, one of his tactics, is going to try to get it to twist it so you're discouraged serving God, so you separate yourself anyway. You may not disown God. You're going to go and try to serve him, but you're doing it, you know, shoulders slumped over and feeling beat up, but you're not going to go away, but you feel like, oh, just, I may have to do it. I'm not going to fall away, but boy, this is so tough. You're crippled. But that's not God. That's the wrong voice. God is this. So think about it. Look at looking at um, 
if God's telling us to do that, this is the way he is. Do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Well, he's not going to irritate and provoke you to anger. He's not going to be so hard on you that you're like, forget it. That doesn't mean he condones sin any more than you would condone sin in your kids. But there's a way to deal with it and a way not to deal with it. You slap them down and tell them, you know, you're just never going to mount anything and everything. That's going to push them further from you and make them rebel. Not make them, but give the, they're going to be a lot easier to make that choice. Well, God's not stupid. He's not the one doing that. He's, he's, he will correct, but he's bringing you along. Do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in the training and the discipline and in the admonition Discipline and the counsel and the admonition of the Lord. Well, that's what he's doing with us. He's rearing you. He's bringing you along. I mean, I know you're a man, guy, strong, but God is still so far above us, and so he's still rearing you tenderly. Behind the scenes, he's not going to crush you. Okay? He's an encouragement. Now, he's not mamby-pamby over on this side either. Like, I could meddle here, but... There's so much that they go, you just can't say anything to kids, and, and, and well, God just lets everything go. That's not him either. Right. No, he, he is perfect in that he will encourage you, he will show you, but he won't let you get away with stuff. He, that's not good for you, not good for your kids, but he will bring you. Hey, you know better, bring it up, do this, and you'll, you'll, you'll put, put a vision before you of your family serving God that will motivate you and bring you along. Let's look at this in the message. It said, fathers, don't frustrate your children with no-win scenarios. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Isn't that a good visual? God is telling fathers, you take them by the hand and you lead them. You show them. You walk them through in the way of the master. Well, God himself, it will take you by the hand and lead you. He's not some far-off God, impersonal, just do this and I'll see you, you know, at the end of your life. He's not that way. He's leading you and guiding you. If we'll reach out to him, if we'll say, God, you show me. God, I, I'm not, I don't know how to solve this. I don't know how to deal with this in my child. I, I'm not sure how to deal with it. He will take you by the hand and lead you if you're humble enough to say, God, show me, help me. He's faithful. He's faithful. He is a good God. So this is saying, you know, this, of course, the you know, parents together, it talks about, um, tell, it talks to the children obeying. But let's look at this. Uh, let's go back to Ephesians 6, verse 1, and read this uh, through. So you can see where 4 is actually sitting. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So children obeying is a right thing. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. So children obey your parents in the Lord. So children are supposed to obey. Okay? You guys got quiet right there, really? I mean, in this day and age, it's like, well, no, kids, you got to reason with them. No, they're supposed to obey. Now, there is a way to do it. You're not supposed to be Gestapo on them and just throw them around. No, but they, it's not okay for them to talk back and just say, no, I'm not going to do that. That's 
It's not okay in school for them to do that. You know, they're supposed to respect teachers. They're supposed to respect. But, you know, there's a reason why society is where it is, because people were so hard and, you know, controlling and domineering that people, kids say, forget this, enough of this, and they flat out rebelled whole generations, and then, but then they became parents, and they think they got a better way, and then their kids do whatever, and several generations later, later we're here. Okay, so, but my point here in going forward is children are supposed to obey. Okay, God set it up the way, that way. Doesn't mean you don't train them and, and bring them along and tell them why. The older they are, the more you're, you're, you're giving them a foundation for why they're, you're doing something. You don't just say, don't do this when they're a 15-year-old and treat them like they're a 2-year-old. They need to un start understanding what the Word of God says, and that needs to be the foundation why they're doing what they're doing because you're getting ready to let them go into adulthood. If they're just like mommy and daddy said not to do it and they don't know why, they're going to blow up when they get out. They need to know why and based on the Word of God. But you, you go back to where they're two and three. They, you don't have to explain everything to them. They don't understand. You need to say... You, because mommy, daddy said so, is good enough. That's like, well, you got to explain. You're not going to reason with a two-year-old and a three-year-old. Not going to happen. You're going to waste a bunch, get down on their level and reason. No, they're supposed to obey. That's okay. We just read in the Bible. It's okay. Now, you don't have to be mean about it, but it's okay. God put it there in the Word because that's the best thing. They don't have the reasoning faculties or the life experience to make their own decisions. That's why they have you. God gave them a, a, a father and a mother. And this, we're talking about the family, the way it is. Most of you, I understand there's all kinds of situations. And God is merciful and gracious to help you in your situation. Okay? But let's not throw out, you know, what the Word of God says. Yes, ideally have a father and a mother. And the children are supposed to be in that environment, and they're supposed to obey in the Lord. Notice it says, this is right, verse 2, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may lo live long on the earth. So they're supposed to obey. Why? It's going to have promise that they'll, they'll live long on the earth, that that it will be well with you and that they'll live long so that they listen so that they can go forward and do well in life. That's what's supposed to happen. If they're left to themselves, if they go off and just do whatever, it's not going to go well with them. So the Bible is saying, children, obey so that it will go well with you. Okay, then in verse 4, which is what I want to focus on and then go forward in some other verses, of course, but... I want you to see that in context. Then in verse 4, it says, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. We read it in other uh, versions. It, bring them tenderly in the training and discipline and counsel and admonition of the Lord. Hold them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. He's saying, yeah, don't provoke them, but he is saying, lead them. In what? in the counsel of the Lord, in the way of the Master, in, in um, reverencing and honoring and serving God. Yeah. 
and that's the only way the rest of it means anything. Because the children, if they're obeying and listening to whatever the parents are saying, and they're laying down a foundation that is completely going away from God, they may be obeying, but they're obeying in a direction that's going to... Now, I'm saying there's, there's, a, there's good in that and in society and so forth, but as a Christian father, as one who serves the Almighty, you're supposed to be leading them and guiding them and setting a vision for them to serve the Lord. That's what you're training them in, and then when they're obeying you and trusting you in that, it will go well with them. But dads, you're the one. Now again, we said there's all kinds of situations, family situations, and God is merciful and gracious. If there's no father in the home, God will father those children and he will help them. And he's merciful and gracious. But we're, we're talking specifically to fathers. The, the ideal that's in the word of God is the father, your job is to point them to the Lord and to make that the centerpiece. That's how it's going to go well with them ultimately. You set the course for your family. And as a father, you're, you're, you're setting the direction. Of course you're working with your wife. Of course you're working with the mother. You know, don't take that to ex that the extreme. But ultimately, as the father's role, you, you're supposed to be the one that's setting the direction. You're supposed to be the spiritual leader of your home. You can't read the Bible and get any other way. That doesn't mean the, the wife or the mother is secondary. It means there's a family unit that God put together and he knew what he was doing and that's the way he built it. Well, the father is, is to set the course and lead those children in a path that draws them to God. And makes that the cornerstone. In Psalm uh, 127, verse 3. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are, ch are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has a quiver full of them, they shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. It says the fruit of the womb, if you go back to verse 3, is a, is a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. You know, maybe you heard the illustration. It's like they're arrows, like the warrior pulling back his bow and shooting that arrow at something in a direction. That means he's aiming and he's doing it on purposefully. That's where. That's where I want it to go. It's intentional. And that is the job. That, as a father, that is our role. So we have to make sure everything else in our life now comes around and secondary to that. Like I said, there's all kinds of family situations. We can all learn from this. We're speaking to fathers today, but God's word will minister to you wherever. And we said, 
We should not look at the, God, the word of God as condemnation. God is not beating any of us up, but he is telling us how we do this, what to do. And he'll give you practical instruction by the Spirit of God and through his word to actually walk this out. But we shouldn't shy away from this and look for another way. Because this is what we're supposed to do. We have to make sure everything in our life is supporting this goal in our family's life. Now, how does that look for us? Every family is different. You may have different vocations, di different number of children. You know, somebody said, I'm not, I just think it's funny. You know, it says a quiver full of them, of arrows. And some people said, well, that's, that's like a quiver typically had five. So the ideal is five children. That's stretching. Okay, you know, you have the number of children you have based on you and your spouse making a decision. I know for Shelly and I, she has one brother, came from two kids in their household. I have two brothers and a sister, so we had four. And when we, before we got married, you know, we'd have this talk, how many kids do you want to have? And, I, and I, we said we came to between two and four. We're going to start with two, and then we'll see, and then four. None of us, we didn't say five, we didn't say six, we didn't say one, we were like two. So that's, you know, we got a girl and a boy off the bat. Two years apart, you know, Brianna's uh, born, and then Andrew's born almost, you know, two weeks from being exactly two years later. So we had our girl and the boy off, off, to the, off the start. And so we were like, and we were at Rama at that time. When Andrew was, when, when Shelly was pregnant with Andrew, um, we were, it was right before we were going down to Rama Bible Training College to go to, um, you know, to go to Bible school. And so... Andrew was born like a few months after we arrived. So we had two. And we were thinking, well, we might sit here. Well, actually, Shelly miscarried then right before we moved out here. And uh, so that would have been about two years-ish. You know, it would have been that next child. And, and, you know, we were like, okay. So it was very early on and, you know, all that. But we went on from that. And we were like, do we want, we want to keep going? And we determine after a while, yeah, we're, we want four, so we're going to have the third one. We're going to try for the third one. You don't, can't guarantee, right? And if we get the third one, we're going for the fourth one. Now, we can't guarantee we're going to have fourth, or, you know, you, Shelly, there's some twins differently. We could have both of them at the same shot. You know, we're like, but we're stopping at, we think we're just going toward four. Now, the thing is, when you go for three, if you could go for four and then have twins and end up with five or whatever, but, you know, we can't control that. So we're going, once we went for three, we're going for four. And that's what we did. And when Julia was born, we were pretty much, I say pretty much, so I'll tell you in a second, we were pretty much like, all right, we're done. That's four. We're done. Except we were, my sister one night was uh, over, and we were just talking in the dining room. And I remember, it was like a month after, because she, she had just had a child, and they were, you know, her, uh, Julia and her cousin are near the same age, and, you know, we, we were just talking, and, you know, talking about, are you guys done? Are you going to have more? And for, like, five minutes, we were talking about it, and we were thinking, well, are we done, Shelly? Should we get, <laughs> should we have more? And it wasn't until we were like, no, what are we even talking about? Because we had already made the decision, you know, God bless, you know, parents that have five, six, seven, I mean, it's just, it's a logistical change. It's a, it's a, it's a shift. Your, your cars have to change. You know, you, you can't fit all those people in a hotel. We have problems. If we're all together, six, 
we got to call around. Most of them, you know, they limit four or five, and then you only get a few that are six in a hotel room, and we would have to call around. But go to seven, you know, totally seven, eight. That's a that's this logistical shift, and people have nine, ten. I'm just like, good night. You know, that's not for us. So we were like, four is good for us. <laughs> Said all that to say, you know, you're going to be led for your family situation. There's different don't go again don't look at somebody's pattern and go well they have three kids and that's the ideal and then if they start pulling a bible verse or they have five kids and i can show you a song back it up okay don't don't go nuts and try to put stuff in the word of god that's not there god is going to lead you for your situation okay your work schedule may look different then somebody else's works. There's work schedules that are very much, you know, focused on certain days of the week. And if you're trying to follow somebody else's pattern, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be condemned. But the fact is, there's no pattern like that. What you do need to do is whatever the situation is, you're going to put God first and you're going to make sure your priorities are right around that in that context. You're going to shoot your arrows of your children on purpose. You're, you're getting them going in a certain direction based on what you feel, you believe, I should say, God is leading you to do as a family. And it shouldn't be haphazard. Well, I'm just doing this just because. You know, I, as a Christian, at some point, you know, you, we need to be very intentional about what we're doing as for a vocation, where we live, what church we're going to and everything. We need to be like, where do you want me, Lord? So I'm not just doing something because of circumstances past. Yeah, there's things that, you know, we may find ourselves in a circumstance. We're doing stuff and we're, we're working through some stuff and there's a situation that, that it needs to be like this, but it shouldn't be forever. We should be saying, but what, what is, what is the, the direction you want for my family? What does that look like? Where do you want me to live? Where do you want me to work? What kind of job is that? Where, where, what church do you want me to be a part of? What uh, activities should my children be involved in? Because there's no one answer to that question. Uh, you need to know from the Lord, you're responsible. You're shooting those arrows. You're, you're putting God first. Well, now your children are going somewhere in life. As Christians, you're pointing them. You're, you're being a steward to help them develop in God towards something and so the answer, you're saying, what should I get involved in? What, what should they be involved? Because you can't do everything. People try to do that, and they're worn out. Get, kids are getting hardly any sleep. And for what? For what? I mean, wh where are you actually going? You can't do everything. It doesn't mean you should just select really early. You have to decide with God, and every situation is different. What does your... What, what should your child be doing? And what should they not be doing? And what can you do as a family? So it should never be, well, we have all these activities or all these things that we have to do, and somehow that upends the primary directive. It can't do that. Well, but i got to work here, and I have to, my kid's in this activity, and we're over here. 
it's inverted then and it will always be a struggle if we don't put the things that should be number one with which God is number one his things are number one then you start putting the things around it and as you do that put the right things in first then the the stuff that's unimportant will fit in but if you put all the stuff that doesn't really matter, if you put in something that should be important, but it overtakes everything else, you're not going to have room to do the things you actually need to do. And then the directive is going to get skewed. And people go, I just, I can't fit in God. I don't know how to get there, right? I can't fit in times with my kids. And Back up. It may be that you find yourself in that situation and you're dealing with some stuff. We all do to some degree. We're constantly making course corrections. But we can't just say that's okay forever. We have to say, back up, okay, let me re, you know, uh, rejigger this kind of a little bit, and I'm going to go back. Look, I have to put the first thing. I have to put God in place. I'm directing my kids toward God. That is the first thing I need to do because if they go through their life and they walk away from him, everything is lost. Everything. You, you don't want your kid, your, your, your child, going away from the reason they're created. There's, that doesn't just happen, though. We have to be intentional about pointing them to the Lord and putting structure in our families that constantly do that. They constantly, they're seeing him. They're hearing his word. They're here. You know, Shelly said something several, I think it was you that were, you, you were talking at, at one point. And you're talking about people will say, well, um, you know, I just believe you just let the child make their own decision about, about where, what they believe and if they should go to church or not. Here's the thing, because, you know, this is a classic. I don't want to force my kid to go to church because they, they may reject God, then I want it to be their decision. So let's analyze that for a second. If you don't, when they're young, tell them you're going to church, you're, you're going to be around the things of God, you're going to do these things. Remember we read Children Obey? I'm not talking about, you're going to go to church and that, no, 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 you're... You're just, you're saying, no, this is what we do. There's several questions. Do you ask them in the morning? Do you, do you want to go to school, honey? Do you feel like, because I don't want you to hate school and not go there anymore. Do we ask them that? You're going. Well, I don't feel like it. There's the bus. Get on the bus, right? I don't feel like going to the doctor's appointment. It's time for your checkup. You're going. Well, I don't want to eat my vegetables. See, people are like, well, see, it's okay. It's not okay. It's okay to say, eat them. <laughs> I've told you this before. There were, there were a number of nights that I was at the Preston family dinner table in the kitchen under that light at 1030 at night because I didn't want to eat what was set before me, and I wasn't getting off until I ate it. And it was cold, and it didn't taste very good by then. My parents are like, and I, we knew the drill. <laughs> and there were some meals that at the beginning, it was like, everybody knew it was going to be a long night for Jim. <laughs> we had this goulash. It was like, 
Mom, why'd you have to serve that? Why, why, why are you doing that? Everybody knew. My siblings knew. Now, I would try. There's only so much finagling you can do, you know. You got some vegetables or bread. I would use bread to my advantage, you know. Take a bite of goulash and stuff it with some bread and just try to make it get down to water and whatever. It's okay to say, no, you have to do that. But, you know, people say the things that God, well, I don't want to push them away from God. If they don't have the habit of going to church and being around the things of God, you think they're going to put that habit in when they get out on their own? Think about it in every other area. Don't adults, it is so much harder to put, the, put a, habits into your life as an adult. Don't we all know this? If you're used to eating certain types of food all the time and it's not good for you as a kid, it's hard to change when you're an adult. What if you were just used to the taste of good food? It wouldn't be a problem. We know this in so many areas. If you're not used to doing certain things, it's going to take some real effort when life is busy, when you have new responsibilities. It's so easy. I'll do that later, later. But if the child is used to, this is what we do. We are, we're not talking about religious. We're talking about training. Yes. Yes. We're talking about putting something, you know, taking that arrow. And this is where we're going. If we want that result, we're going to have to do something now. Yes. And guys, we just have to be intentional about it. Yes. And yeah, you might get your child going, I don't want to go. Sorry, you're going. Because you're going to put yourself in a position where you're hearing the word of God and the Holy Spirit is quickening that and deposits are made day in, day out, week, week out, where the, the word of God is before you, you know, at home, that you're, you're putting, just print out some, some scriptures. If you don't have, know where to start, I'll give you, you know, what we use, just some scriptures for the kids and have them repeat after you. And it doesn't have to be 80, start with three. And do it, you know, just at night. And you're putting the word of God before them. But if they see these things, you're giving God an avenue into their life to train them and to help them and to guide them and have a hand in what they're doing. So when they start going off on, on their own, I mean, could they blow up? They could make the decision to walk away from God. But if you've put the, the word of God in, and the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and then when he is old, he will not depart from him. You've put a pattern in their life. It's going to be actually hard for him to walk away. And if it's a relationship and truth, not just some religion, again, you're holding him by the hand, showing him what to live. You're doing it. It's not a hypocritical thing. You're not perfect, but you're doing it the way, the best you can. You know how to do. You are training them to where then it's hard for them to walk away from that. They're not just making some random decision. Well, what, they're going to just decide that whether they're going to follow God? Every, I see that. What happens is when people say, well, I'll just let them make the decision. And if the parent is like that, well, that's how the child ends up. With. They just, it's not important because, like it or not, as a default... We all make our own choices. We're all responsible for where we are now, regardless of how we got here. Okay? But like it or not, it's, uh, it's going to be easier 
to go forward in life what the more you have of the right type of habits in your life already in a foundation for you. Now, we don't, all of us could look and go, oh, we wish we would have had this. We wish we would have had this other thing. But we can't do anything about what has been. We're going to have to make a decision about what we're going to do going forward. And when we decide to give these things to our children and ha put these things into them, we're giving God the ability to mold and guide and direct them and for him, them to have an impact or a, an inroads in their, into their life so that they can follow that path. But we have something to do with that. We have the ability to set a direction, and then we have to just be intentional about making the place for it. Psalm 128, verse, verse 3 says, Your wife shall be a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house, your children, the olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Who fears means honors. Just a picture of the family growing and developing and thriving as you point them to him. And so these things that try to press in, that try to take our time, that try to distract us. You know, we were talking about keeping your eye on the fence post the last few weeks and just setting, keeping our eye on where we're headed. Well, as a father, that's what you need to do. You keep your eye on what, what the goal is. What is the primary directive? I'm a father, I'm a provider, I, I'm there to give counsel, but I am doing it all the more it's centered up on what the Lord said. That's what I'm, I'm, my primary directive is I'm directing these kids to him. What is the end goal? What is that, um, where am I shooting at? I want the child to know God and to follow his ways. Okay, if that's it, what, how do I start molding my life so I don't mess, that, mess with that? And as we keep that centered, it will affect all those other areas. He'll show you how to put these other things in place. He'll show you what to do in your marriage. He'll show you what you need to be involved in. He'll show you what job to do. He'll show you what kids what your kids activities should be because you know because you may have seen these um, examples classic it comes from different places uh, that I've heard but you know you've ever seen the uh, illustration about the having a jar and you put the big rocks in first and then the gravel and the sand and that represents our life if you're not familiar with it um, talking about if you try to if you try to fill up the jar with stuff that isn't big, like you know the rocks or the sand, there's, it's very difficult to get in the, a big rock in there. But if you put big rocks into a uh, a jar, you still have a lot of room that you can pour in pebbles, and then you have a lot of room in between that you can pour in sand, and you can get it all in there. But if you go the opposite way, if you fill it up with the small stuff first, 
you're going to have a big, you're going to have a lot of, um, a big challenge putting in the bigger things in life. And that's, you know, in the illustration, it represents your health and your time with family and faith. It's a good illustration. The thing is, faith is just another rock in there. And I'm not being critical. It's a great illustration. And it's very applicable. But we have to make the things of God number one, far and above everything else. Because it will affect all those other rocks, and it will affect all that other stuff. And if we'll keep him centered up, then we'll be able to fit all the other stuff, and he will guide you and lead you and help you to save time and help you to make decisions and help all the other stuff fit into place as you're following him. The Bible said in Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, all the other stuff will be added to you, will be shown to you, will be given to you because you're looking to Him. Seems so simple. And it is simple. But it's just in the doing. But dads, you guys have such a role. You, you have this ability, a God-given role and ability to hear from him, of course, with your spouse, but you're the one that you're, 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 you're taking responsibility as the lead to make a direction and to impact generations. And like we said at the beginning, God will help you to do that. He's not pushing you down. He is going to help you do that and bring you forward. He, will, he is the biggest supporter and the biggest helper for you to do what he told us to do. You may think, now this is impossible in my situation. That We have to change that thinking and say, Lord, I see what it says in your word. I know you're for me. I know you love these children. I know you love my wife. Lord, show us how to do this. But one thing we're going to do is you're putting him in place so that that can happen. And just you doing that, and you include your family, and you're including your wife, and your wife, of course, you want, you know, she's a believer, you're together and saying, God, help, help us, show us what to do. And you bring your family together, and you're showing them that you're going to him. You are already training them. What do we do? We go to God. They get that down, that will bring them through so much in life. That opens the door for God Almighty. So you putting them in position where they can hear Him. That's why it's so important. We point them to the Word. We get around fellow believers. You're putting the framework in place to have they have a personal relationship and they have what He's put in for us to get the Word for them to be led in His things. And God Almighty will take responsibility to help them in the right place. Because he said he would. He gave us the responsibility to put the things in place, to put the structure in place, to guide them so that then he can help them in conjunction with us to bring them forward in the direction they're supposed to go. So when they look back, it was for a purpose. Amen.